0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Langstaff Assembly Podcast. My name is
1: Yaneli Joyce, and I'm your host for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you and that it draws you near to God. So again, just a few simple thoughts that I'd like to share. Um, I was thinking this week about an encounter I had uh, a number of years ago. Uh, I had uh, taken on an extra detail. And uh, I arrived at a high school prom and, um, you know, basically my job would be just to make sure the kids are behaving and, and typically, I mean, it's no problem at all. I just walk around. And uh, I remember, you know, seeing the kids and they're having a great time. It's, it's kind of one of the last times that they'll be able to see each other in, in that type of a, a forum before they move out into the, uh, um, into the summer. But uh, I, I remember leaving the crowd and I remember going to the outside grounds and I began to do a little bit of a circuit of the, uh, of the uh, banquet hall. And I came across a young lady that was sitting under a light standard. And I remember seeing her there sitting there in her prom dress. And the tears were running down her face. And she pointed inside to the prom. And she said to me, she said, everyone's having so much fun in there. And I just feel so empty. And, and there she sat. She's just a teen. And, but she was coming face to face with the reality that much of what this life has to offer in terms of lasting fulfillment is empty. I don't know if she went there with some hopes and realized, you know, there's got to be something more. I don't know, but she was coming face to face with something pretty deep, um, pretty profound uh, at a young age. And I began to think about that feeling uh, of emptiness and hopelessness that can come into our lives as well. And, and, and I want to be clear because it might not have anything to do with what that girl was experiencing. You know, she was seeing that there was something empty, kind of like what Solomon was talking about, like the chasing after the wind, the the, the vanity, or trying to find satisfaction in things that will pass away. And that's not really what I'm talking about when it comes to, um, this message here this morning but maybe it has something to do with the hopelessness you feel in regards to a circumstance you're facing the hopelessness you you might be facing when you think about something that you've gone through or something um you are going through or or maybe something that is going to be coming and you think to yourself that you know this this is this is completely hopeless this trial that I'm in, is completely hopeless. I mean, I'm trying to see the light in all of this. I'm trying to see the Lord's hand in this. And I just don't. Because what I'm going through is hard. And I don't see how anything good can come from this. Because everywhere I look, it looks like it's dark. And, and, and there's just no light in this. And I came to John chapter 9. And it's been on my mind for for a while, and I'd like to share it with you. So we can turn to John chapter 9, and uh, we'll start reading at verse 1. John chapter 9 and verse 1, As he, that's the Lord Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, as the chapter goes on, um, if you know the story, you'll know that uh, there were some people who didn't believe what had happened to this man. And they call him in and they question him. And ultimately, they don't like what he has to say. They don't like what he has to say about the Lord. And so then they cast him out. And we're done with you. And the Lord finds him again. And that's verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. That's a single story. That's a single story, and yet it's another example of a theme that, um, occurs again and again in the scriptures and yet it's more than a theme isn't it? it's the constant demonstration that the god of hope moves into our hopelessness god of hope moves into our hopelessness and he does things more than we could ever think possible and and we come and we can come, and this man can come with damaged pieces that we're holding in our hands, and he takes them, and he can turn them into something beautiful. Something that we never even thought was possible. You know, the scriptures talk about beauty for ashes. You have ashes. What the ashes? It is because something has burned down. And God says, I can take the ashes, and I can turn it into something beautiful. That's the story of Joseph, isn't it? I mean, think of poor Joseph sitting there in the bottom of that pit wondering, what have my brothers just done? And then he goes down to Egypt, and just when he's climbing the ranks in Potiphar's house, he finds himself back in a jail cell. What on earth is going on? And yet we find him there, second in command of all of Egypt. And there he is, and he tells his brothers what you meant for evil. God meant it for good. That's the story of Esther. She's raised up as queen. And in the face of what seems to be certain death for her people, when everything seems hopeless, God brings her to that moment and uses her in that moment. And there's hope in what seems to be a hopeless situation. That's the story of Ruth and Naomi. That's the story of the people of Israel in bondage in Egypt. And they're crying out for salvation. And and it seems like it's been decade after decade after decade of hopelessness. And then in the middle of all of that, they're crying out, wondering, you know, is there any hope at all? God sends Moses, and he uses Moses to lead the people out of Egypt.
0: Hope in seeming hopelessness. Look at the cross. He was crucified. And you know the
1: song from, I believe it's Michael W. Smith, Laid behind the stone, lived to die, rejected and alone. And then they place him in the tomb, and then they roll the stone over the, over the entrance to that tomb. And, and if you had asked people that day, is there any hope in this situation for his followers? They would say, no, we're gone. We're, we're hiding now. But on the third day, he rose again, the God of all hope. Well, that's the story of you and I, too. That's the story of you and I, too. Every believer who has trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I remember very well confronting in the back of Mimical Gospel Hall the reality that I was lost, that I needed a Savior, that in myself there was complete hopelessness. And yet in Christ there is hope. And he found me there and he saved me there. And he has kept me to this day. And the Savior has found us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's revealed himself to us. And he has become our sure hope. And so, you know, if there's, if there's a I guess, a little takeaway that you can bring with you this week, at the very beginning of this little message this morning, let it be this, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who brings hope to the hopeless. He is the one who brings rest to the weary. He is the one who brings Um, love for hearts that are hurting he is the one who brings grace and he is the one who brings forgiveness and and the best part is this he still says come to me he still says come to me so as you face this week the lord jesus christ still says come to me and i will give you rest but as we come into john chapter 9 i'd like to get into this passage a beautiful, beautiful story. We come into John chapter 9, and we find the Lord moving, and we read these words. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Um, I don't know how they got this number. I I really don't. It's a mind-boggling number, but it's estimated that the universe contains 200 billion trillion stars. 200 billion trillion stars i'm I'm always fascinated um these are numbers i i don't understand i don't know how many zeros that is it's probably a lot the the hubble deep field provided some evidence that there appears to be 125 billion galaxies in the observable universe how that's an observable universe i don't know but again (laughs) impressive
0: numbers and you know who made all that he did he did the creator the lord jesus christ he made all that we read in the beginning was the word and the word was
1: with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him and and now and come with me here on this one and now this same creator of all of that the numbers we don't even understand. The stars, the galaxies, the unexplored universe of an immensity that we can't understand or enter into because it just blows our mind. Here in John 9, his feet are walking the dusty streets of Jerusalem, which brings us so much more wonder and meaning when we read these words. As he passed by,
0: he saw a man blind from birth the creator of all of that saw man
1: blind from birth you know this isn't a message about making ourselves out to be more than we are it's not a message that's intended to inflate ourself of our own sense of self-importance but maybe there's somebody this morning and i and, and you might just need a reminder that you you haven't slipped too far that he doesn't see you anymore You haven't gone too far that he doesn't see you anymore. I think we all need that from time to time. Or maybe you've convinced yourself that the trial that you're going through is only really known and significant to you. I just want to encourage you this morning. uh, From John chapter 9, we read these words. As he passed by, he saw a man. You know, it wasn't a case of this poor man first seeing the Lord. It is not a case of this blind man first calling out to the Lord. He couldn't see Christ he couldn't see him he didn't have the eyes to see him but Christ saw him he saw him I see the faces online this morning I have the gallery mode up here and I can see your faces my friends and family in Christ I just want to encourage you this morning that you're not lost in the shuffle you haven't drifted too far that you're out of his sight you are fiercely loved by the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures say he saw men. And I'd like to encourage you this morning with this proof that the things we know of Christ, the things that have been revealed to us of Christ, the things we will come to know of Christ, it's all because he knew and saw us first. Isn't that amazing? The things we know of Christ, the things that have been revealed to us of Christ, it's because he has known and seen us first. Amazing. You know, I, I hadn't really planned on going here initially, but I thought also, practically speaking, when we look at John chapter 9, um, if we're to be the body of Christ, and this is just a practical point to bring out. If we are to be the body of Christ and to be a light in this world, then the type of people that the Lord saw are the type of people we need to see also. The type of people that the Lord saw are the type of people we need to see also. Um, You think of that story of the Good Samaritan. We're not supposed to be like the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side. who knew the person was there and they passed by on the other side. Um, That was them following their natural reactions, wasn't it? (laughs) I don't want to go anywhere near that wounded man. Not even close. Um, This is a quote I found from John Piper. He said, we're not natural people. We are followers of Jesus. We have the spirit of Jesus in our hearts. We have seen, we have been seen and touched in all our brokenness by an attentive and merciful savior. And so if you want to be one of the most remarkable kinds of human beings on the planet, the kind that follows the Lord Jesus, then see people with disabilities.
0: See them and move towards them. That's what the Lord did. It says he saw men. man blind
1: from birth and I was thinking about this man this was a baby growing up who never saw his mother this was a young man who never saw his father this was likely a man who because of the era he was completely passed over for education for employment for marriage um, likely other relationships friends opportunity every single day why because he was blind Verse eight actually tells us that he was a beggar and the neighbors referred to him as the man who sat and begged. That's how he was known. Probably, you know, the guy at the end of the street, the, the, the beggar, yeah, that that's how they referred to him. Isn't it amazing when you think about it, that God in his word speaks about these things that the Lord Jesus went hands on really, He went hands-on with these concerns. What would we have to offer other than opinions if the scripture had absolutely nothing to say about trials, about suffering, about disability? You know, I think this, yeah, maybe, maybe this or maybe that. That's just our opinions. But that's not God. Because we can remind ourselves that the Lord knows what sorrow is. He knows what suffering is because he entered into it all. And, and and through the entirety of the scriptures, you find trials and you find tribulations and you find sorrow and you find suffering. And the Lord knows what suffering is. I've, I've quoted this before. It's a quote that just hits me right between the eyes. Every time I read it, it's John's thought. And, and I'll share it with you again. He said, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. The only God I believe in is the one Neche ridiculed as God on the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of the Buddha. His legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing round his mouth a remote look on his face detached from the agonies of the world. But each time, after a while, I have had to turn away. And in imagination, I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross. Nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain, he entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death, he suffered for us. Our sufferings become more manageable in the light of his. There is still a question mark against human suffering, but over it, we boldly stamp another mark, the cross that symbolizes divine suffering. The cross of Christ is God's only self-justification in such a world as ours. The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but thou alone. This is powerful. We can thank God that the Bible is full of stories and accounts. Page after page after page of the reality. Yes, of sorrow. Yes, of suffering yes of troubles and yet it's full of what the God of hope can do when he moves in and what he has done to shed his light on suffering and the sadness but when we come back to um, John chapter 9 we come back to this man and, and there's a question from the disciples isn't there And it also reveals that in addition to what the neighbors thought about him, and in addition to, you know, his upbringing and and the difficulties there, the question from the disciples reveals that there was a stigma attached to this man as well, that his blindness was linked to committed sin. And we know that because the disciples, they asked the Lord, they say, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it uh, this man or was it his parents? Uh, Why was he born blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And the thinking went like this. You know, all all suffering comes from sin. So this man was born blind, meaning that someone sinned, either this man somehow or his parents. I mean, that's the only reason, right, that something like this could happen, they thought. So, Lord, who is it? Who sinned? Him or his parents? You know, the Lord is going to answer their question. He's He's not going to answer it in the way that they thought, but he was going to answer it. But let's just take a moment and take another look at this man. Because I think if you could somehow get inside this man's head, probably the question that he asked himself the most,
0: and likely the question that he'd asked God the most, was why. Why? Why was I born like this? Why did this have to happen to me? The question of Why? Um, I'm, I just want to make it
1: clear, I'm not here to take away from anybody's trials or to make light or de-emphasize what anyone is going through or any difficulties that anyone is going through. Um, they're all different and they're all unique. And I think one of the questions, the, probably the, the question why is one of the toughest questions a person can ever ask. Why? Why is this happening? And and I believe there, there are things in this life when we ask the question why, in some cases, we might not know the answer in full until we're with him in heaven, the question of why, sometimes. But I was encouraged when I read John 9, because the Lord does answer the question in this life, sometimes in his time.
0: And here's what the Lord says in answer to the question of who sinned. It was not that this man sinned or his parents. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. Isn't that amazing?
1: Isn't that amazing? It's beautiful. That the Lord was going to take the very thing that this man had experienced as his greatest struggle and trial. And he was going to use that man in his very real trial. To display the works of God in him. You can break it down to the moment. You know, this man had no idea. He had no idea. So every day that he woke and dealt with his trial. Every single day that he woke and dealt with his struggle. Every single day that he sat and begged and asked the question why. He didn't know. But it was another day closer to being in the presence of the Lord. And hearing his voice. He didn't know that, but it was coming. Completely unknown to that man was this fact, that the Lord saw him the whole time, and he had a plan to use his life, and yes, even his disability of blindness. The Lord was going to use him in what he had suffered for the glory of God, that the works of God might be displayed in him. But there's an interesting point here. Um, in John chapter 9, that uh, I don't want to miss as we go down. Notice the Lord's answer to the question of the disciples. They asked, Lord, who sinned? Is it this man or his parents? What was it that they were after? The cause. The cause. How did this come to be? Who is behind this? What is behind this? The cause of this suffering? What's the reason? But notice again the Lord's reply. He said, it was not that this man, it was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And this was a thought that I enjoyed when I I studied this passage. I'd never seen it before. The disciples were caught up in the cause, weren't they? They wanted to know the reason. Who sinned? What's the cause, Lord? But what does the Lord do? He directs their focus away from the cause and onto the purpose. It's not the cause. It's the purpose, because in this story, what the Lord makes clear is that in this case, the decisive answer for this man's blindness is not found in looking for its cause. But it's found by looking for its purpose. Completely different answer than what the disciples thought that the works of God might be displayed in him. You're looking at the wrong end of this disciples you've got your eyes fixed on the wrong thing James and John and Peter and Andrew, you're looking at the cause behind his suffering but all along I have had a purpose in it, that God will be glorified and he adjusts their thinking you know specific suffering is often and, and likely most of the time not because of specific sins that have been committed of course that can happen But there are many trials and struggles that come into the lives of faithful believers, and it has nothing to do with sin in their life. But it's so hard, isn't it, to not continually go back to the question of why and and, and to continue searching for the cause. But here in this story, the Lord, who knows all things and created all things, lets his disciples and us today
0: know you're looking for the cause, what if I have a purpose all along I've had a purpose
1: again I'll say it again I don't know the struggles that you're facing as I look out here on my um, those listening on zoom and again I'm not trying to downplay the very real trials that you have and that you may be struggling with but what if we encouraged each other in this way to humble ourselves before the Lord with everything that we have our trials be they big or small and as he gives help ask that in all of them that he be glorified and that he would have uh, um, that he would give us a heart to see
0: his purposes be fulfilled in our lives verse five Uh, as we move down
1: it says as long as i am in the world i am the light of the world isaiah predicted that the lord would open the eyes of the blind we've just come through christmas season we read with the kids uh, a lot of the christmas prophecies it's it's amazing you know i i i'm hoping that as my kids grow they'll appreciate the prophecies you know the way i do you know it's <laughs> like hundreds of years before the lord comes it's like oh he's, he's from bethlehem and and uh you know the virgin birth and he's whoa it's just it's amazing right well here's another one because in isaiah it predicts number of times that the messiah would come and he would open the eyes of the blind one chapter earlier in john chapter 8 the lord had proclaimed i am the light of the world and now in a a public demonstration of this claim that every single word of the lord is truth he gives sight to this blind man so look at verse 6 it says having said these things he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud let's be honest with one another when we read that that's not the way an optometrist would do things. i I don't know what the special eye doctors are called i always get confused Uh, optician optometrist ophthalmologist hopefully in one of those i got the right person (laughs) i don't know but Let's I mean, that's not the way they would do things, right? If I had a friend come to me and say, you know, I've got something in my eye, I can't see. If I stooped down and picked up some mud, then what would you do? You're like, Paul, what are you doing? You know, like that's not the way that's that's not gonna work. Like you gotta bring them to a doctor. Don't don't use the mud, right? And yet here in John 9, the Lord Jesus shows his power in making this blind blind man see by doing something that all of us would think um, that would make a seeing man blind, right? Mud in the eyes would make a seeing man blind. Why are you using that? And, and I enjoyed this, just the simple truth that our human reasoning, the things that make sense to us, we cannot use that to judge the, the ways and the methods and the purposes of God. Okay. Because he can, and he does, use means and ways that are so far beyond us, beyond our ability to take in. You know, Lord, you're using dirt. You you can't use dirt. If you use
0: dirt in his eyes, well, oh,
1: (laughs) you know. And then they come to see. Firsthand, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. And I've often thought of my own feeble attempts to understand at times what God is doing and confronting the question of why. And I read this account in John 9, and I come face to face with the truth that God will not be found in the uh, if you want to put it this way, the so-called box of my common sense. That's not where he is. That's not what he's confined to. Psalm 145 and 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. That means it's beyond our understanding how great it is. And the amazing thing is, his greatness is without end. And so the creator kneels down to the ground, And using the dust of the earth, the exact same material he used to form the first man, Adam. He rises and anoints the man's eyes. And he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man goes and he comes back seeing. And he's healed. The power of God displayed. Uh, You know, some have thought, and 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 I really like the thought, that the lord was saying what you had didn't work before but now i'm going to give you these new eyes and he takes the dust of the earth
0: and he the the creator as only he can works a miracle right there for that man
1: and later in that chapter the man is cast out he's cast out there's people who don't believe what he has to say um Quite frankly, I don't think they like the way he's talking to them either. Um, But the man is a straight shooter, you know, and he just says what happened to him. And they cast him out. And I was touched that we read in verse 35 that the Lord seeks him out again. And he finds him and asks, do you believe in the son of man? And that man, he has, he's got an open heart now. He sees what has happened in his own life. And he says, who is he that I may believe in him? You have seen
0: him. And it is he who is speaking to you. Then listen to these words. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him.
1: You have seen him. Why? Because that man personally experienced the reality of Christ. He said, I am the light of the world. Imagine that man, he had gone through his entire
0: life with suffering, with this disability. And on the very day he gets his sight, he sees Christ. He sees Christ. I'm not, again, (laughs) I feel like a broken record. I'm not making light of anyone's suffering. But if at the end of what we have to go through, We can see Christ. Isn't that what it's all about? That he be glorified in us.
1: Now the Lord had taken him through suffering. From searching for the cause. To seeing the purpose. From blindness to coming face to face and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ standing in front of him. And
0: now the man does what he should, says he worships. He worships. God displayed his glory through healing this man. But uh, I,
1: um, I think I'll wrap up shortly, but I wanted to share just one more thought.
0: What about when that doesn't happen? What about when the trials continue? And the issue remains. I thought about the Apostle
1: Paul. Um, This is, I mean, you can, its a whole other topic here. But I thought about the Apostle Paul. And he had what the scriptures call, what he called a thorn in the flesh. And he prays three times that the thorn in the flesh be removed. It's hard. And he prays, Lord, please take this away. And our Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, I'm not going to put my power on display by
0: healing you. I am going to put my power on display by sustaining you. Not by taking this from you, but by being there with you and giving you the strength that you need to continue day by day by day. So with the trial that you and I have, with the trial
1: that you and I may have, will have, God can and does display his works in healing. He he does. And he displays his power in sustaining. And the common theme between the two cases is this. And what we see in John chapter 9 The ultimate value of the glory of God is the ultimate value, rather, of the glory of God. That in our struggles, in our highs, and in our lows, that in all things, he have the preeminence. That the works of God be displayed. That the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified. Well, those are just a few thoughts that I wanted to share with you this morning. As we look at John chapter 9,
0: um, and we can rejoice as we head out into this, this next week. The Lord sees you, and he knows you, and he knows what you're going through. And uh, the great
1: creator, you know, when it says that the very hairs of your head are numbered, remind yourself this morning, it's true.
0: He does. Hey, thank you so much for listening. What a privilege it was
1: to share God's word with you today. We pray that you were fed, strengthened, and more equipped to run
0: the race with perseverance. To listen to more podcasts like this, make sure to subscribe. For more content from Langstaff and to connect with us, go to langstaffassembly.com. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time.